podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the 59th Minute FPL Podcast, which is brought to you by Fantasy Football Scouts. I'm Mark McGettigan, you'll find me on social media at FPL General. Thankfully, the longest game week in history is finally over, but the Game Week 22 deadline is not until next Tuesday evening. On the plus side, there won't be any red arrows to endure this weekend. In today's episode, the run in order will be a quick review of how the troops performed in Game Week 21, a watch list update, player stats that caught my eye, listener questions answered, and a very early look at captaincy and potential transfers for next midweek. There will be another episode next Monday before the Tuesday deadline, so make sure you hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening for that one and give it a five-star review if you get a chance as well. We'll have a lot more information by the time I record next week's episode. Quick review of how the team performed in Game Week 21. It was a long, painful game week, but a stupid and limited sum of the damage on Monday night. Ended up on 54 points, red arrow from 65k to 98k. It was looking a lot worse after the first weekend of games. I was looking at doubling my rank, maybe even more. Thankfully, a few guys came through. We're still inside the top 100k and... It's a frustrating game week, but if my goal is always be inside the top 100k by Christmas, we're only a couple of game weeks after that now. So there's a long, long way to go, and I've still set myself up to have a pretty good season. But hopefully that is the only red arrow for the next few weeks. The free transfer we used on Mohamed Salah out for Phil Foden. Sounds like Salah's injury is worse than first feared. Could be out for about a month now, so glad that he is no longer in my squads, and we'll figure out how to get him back later. David Raya came in with a clean sheet and a few bonus points, which was nice. But of course, Gabriel, who I sold on the wildcard two weeks ago, turned in a monster performance. And that was probably the main reason for the red arrow. So that was a difficult watch, but at least David Raya offset some of those points. Pedro Porro came in with a clean sheet. Estupinen with an eight-pointer. Trenton play, so I got Gusto off the bench for five points. Very grateful for those five points because... It could have been another Gusto red card in that game. I had him in my team earlier in the season for a minus two already. So thankfully it wasn't a double whammy there. Midfielders, Palmer came through with 10 but didn't captain him. Ended up on Bukayo Saka who blanked. Question on him later. Jared Bowen, I left him in the starting 11. I was hopeful that he might make a speedy recovery. He did. I was then excited to own him as a slight differential against Sheffield United, but he didn't put away any of his chances. Foden blanked, Alvarez blanked. Those two are fine though for next game week, but we'll talk about Alvarez later because if Haaland is back, which it looks like he might be, Alvarez might need to go to accommodate Erling Haaland. And blanks up front as well for Watkins and Solanke. So a couple of questions later on strikers also. Never fun when all three of your forwards fail to score. Garnacho first sub wasn't needed. Ariola and Bell on the bench there as well. So overall, having just wildcarded recently, the squad is fine. Kept Trent Alexander-Arnold and hopefully he is back as well for Gimme 22.
No new members joined the 59th Minute Club in Game Week 21, so keep an eye on those clocks in the next Game Week. And as always, make sure you tag me on Twitter if you see those happening. A watch list update. I'll go through, first of all, the players I've removed this week, then the players added, and I'll give you a run-through of each position who is on the watch list as we approach Game Week 22. So three players removed, first of all, Nkunku from Chelsea because he's an injury player injury-prone player at the moment. Odegaard has been removed as well. I own Saka. Saka and Odegaard both blank in a five-goal victory for Arsenal. So if I've already got concerns about Saka as an owner, I'm not looking to replace him with Odegaard, and I'm certainly not looking to double up on the Arsenal attack in the near future. So Odegaard's gone from the watches for that reason. Also, Alanga from Forest because he's also got an injury at the moment. Players added, I've gone back with my tail between my legs and added Gabriel from Arsenal back to the watch list. Owned him all season, up until the wild card, sold him and then he turns into, I don't know, he turned into a striker in that game against Crystal Palace. Uh, could have been two goals, could have been even more. I think he had three goal attempts in the box. Just a very good, cheap FPL pick and I'm not against going back there as a double up with Raya. If need be, if I get an injury in defence, for example, Gabriel is probably one of the first names that will come to mind. Kevin De Bruyne, back with a bang, off the bench, goal, assists, loads of points, loads of bonus points. Only played 25 minutes, but certainly back in the minds of FPL managers now, especially when there's gaps in midfield with Son and Salah not in the picture. So De Bruyne, very, very tempting for Gaming 22. We'll cover him more in the question section. Anthony Gordon, another player I removed on the wildcard two weeks ago. He's returned in both game weeks since. So I'm very much open to going back there at some point as well. Just a very good player, very good FPL pick. And when Newcastle have good fixtures, he will be on my mind for a transfer in again. Interesting new name for us to consider at Sheffield United, Ben Brereton-Diaz. Oh, he, he was on loan at Villarreal, I think. He's come back now. He was at Blackburn originally. No goals for Villarreal, but he came back and scored straight away on his debut. Now, when I was putting the watches together today, I expected to find him in the forward section of the Sheffield United page on the FPL website. But he's down as a midfielder, a 5 million midfielder, so kind of out of position option. And when I get to the stats section, he had some good numbers as well. So on the score sheet, on his debut, didn't play the whole game, but could be a differential for those looking for one in the midfield positions. Pascal Gross is on the watch list. I'm sure he's been there a few times this season. I watched the Brighton game Monday night. No FPL points, but another good performance. He's always a threat with those set pieces and from open play as well. Joe Pedro, his teammates, also on the watch list. Didn't pass the eye test with flying colours on Monday night, but a very cheap option up front on penalties. And he's getting a lot of 90 minutes these days. And Brighton are top of the fixture ticker until game week 28. So another strike for us to consider. Hoyland from Manchester United seems to finally be finding his feet in the Premier League. A couple of goals recently, great goal in game 21. When we've got misfiring players like Watkins, Solanke and Alvarez, some managers will be tempted to move elsewhere. And a differential like Hoyland is certainly one to keep an eye on. Elsewhere, Isak at Newcastle. I think he's firmly first choice even when Wilson is fit. He's just such a good player. I think we've seen it at the start of the season. Isak was favoured anyway when both players were available. So obviously there will be some shared minutes when Wilson's fit. 
but I think we probably need to take Isak a bit more seriously and not be overly concerned about his minutes because he's, when he's on the pitch, he's doing a lot of damage. I think it might be 3-3 three and three recently for Isak. When he gets a chance, you back him on most occasions to find the back of the net. A very good finisher. Finally, Chris Wood has been added. He's been very, very productive recently, FPL-wise as well. He's only about 4.9 million. A ideal eighth attacker. I've got Garnacho at the moment as my eighth attacker. I think Chris Wood is arguably a better eighth attacker because he's got those penalties as well. Another good head of goal from him in game week 21. So those are the players added. So just to give you a run through of exactly who's on the watch list at the moment. Defenders, first of all, this is in order of price. Kyle Walker at Manchester City. Gabriel at Arsenal. Consa at Aston Villa. Doughty from Luton. And Branthwaite at Everton. So that kind of gives you an idea of each, who I think is the best pick kind of in each price bracket. If you're going a little bit more expensive, you've got Walker and Gabriel. Cons is kind of middle of the road with Doughty. And if you want a cheap bench player, Branthwaite about 4.1. Midfielders on the watch list, Kevin De Bruyne. Again, this is just order of price, not preference. De Bruyne, Rashford. Jota, who had a big performance, well done if you went there. Richarlison, again, well done if you took a punt on him. Pascal Gross, Anthony Gordon, Eze. Crystal Palace are struggling, but Eze always looks capable of getting points, and he's talisman, penalty taker, all that good stuff. Douglas Louise at Aston Villa. Neto at Wolves. Neto was impressive again Monday night, not on the score sheet, but had a few decent opportunities, and I'm sure he will become a popular pick again. And Brereton Diaz is the cheapest midfielder on the watch list. Forwards, Erling Haaland, obviously. Ivan Tony back on the score sheets. And a double game week on the horizon in game week 25. Isak, who I mentioned. Darwin Nunes, who also had a good performance alongside Jota. Those two are good options, while Salah is unavailable. Hoyland from Manchester United. Joe Pedro and Chris Wood. So that is a pool of players I will be looking at for transfers over the coming game weeks. Next section is the Fantasy Football Scout stat section. As I do when a game week finishes, I jump into the members area as I've been doing for years and years, even before I became affiliated with Scout creature of habit that's where i go for my fixture ticker as well pedro poro five chances created good numbers as always malo gusto also good numbers for chances created he created three chances for chelsea happy to see that as an owner on my bench but he does have a yellow flag at the moment i think i said earlier pedro poro got a clean sheet but of course that rarely happens it was an assist poro got for the richarlison header gabriel had three goal attempts for arsenal and interestingly took five corners and i had a look it's the first time he's taken any corners this season he was on zero corners before game 21 he took five he was kind of himself and pascal gross went over to to, to the corner flag for most of the corners. Gross took some, Stupin took some of the others. Some went short, some went into the box, but it's good to see him involved in those corner situations because he was playing kind of in that left centre-back role, which is kind, of, it's kind of an odd one to watch. It's the first time I kind of watched it in detail. Uh, on a lot of occasions you're thinking, 
you know, Brighton are attacking in the final third and the Stupinans nowhere to be seen. But then on other occasions, he's bursting, he's doing overlaps and he is getting into the box. So I'm not overly concerned about Stupinan playing that role. And it's also better, as we've seen on Monday night, it's better for his bonus points to be playing more of a left centre-back than a, you know, out-and-out bombing forward wing-back. And obviously the corners help with the bonus as well, those deliveries. So Stupinan, I think... Having watched him again, I still think he's a very good pick. And if he can, even if he can get a few of those corners off Pascal Gross, that makes him even more attractive. Doughty took eight corners for Lutzen and Pedro Poro 13 corners for Tottenham. But of course, when Madison's back, the Poro number will probably come down. I don't expect it to go to zero corners, but Madison and Poro will probably share them. Kyle Walker had an expected goal involvement of 083 in Game 21, which was second only among defenders to Arsenal's Gabriel. So Walker's posting good numbers there as well. Good option, possibly for City's double game week. In terms of midfielder numbers, four chances created by each of these players. Bakayo Saka, Phil Foden, Pascal Gross and Eze. So a lot of people thinking about selling Saka. But there's some signs for positivity there with four chances created. Foden blanked, but again, good to see him getting some good numbers. Kevin De Bruyne created three chances in 25 minutes. Just shows you what he's capable of when he's back on the pitch. Foden also had six goal attempts, but only two of them were from inside the box. Four shots in the box for Brereton Diaz and Jared Bowen. So good numbers for both of those. Happy to see that as a Bowen owner. And again... Very small sample size, as small as possible. Just one game for Brereton Diaz, but four shots in the box is promising. Palmer at Chelsea had the highest XGI among midfielders of 1.53. Of course, a lot of that made up by the penalty. In terms of forwards, Alvarez and Chris Wood both created four chances. Darwin Nunes created three. Alvarez had six goal attempts, five from inside the box. Very frustrating to see him blank again in that one. Ollie Watkins also blanked, but good underlying numbers. Six goal attempts, four of them from inside the box. Don't think I'll be selling Watkins just yet. I think Alvarez will probably go first for Erling Haaland. And Isak, five shots in the box for Newcastle. Before I get stuck into the listener questions, a quick plug for my Patreon. FPL content creation is my full-time job. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it and me, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL general. You'll get weekly ITS podcasts, Thursday night live streams, Q&As on the day of the FPL deadline, team reveals and much more. First question this week is from Christian Bradle. Could you cover the striker landscape a bit? Christian is tired of having 11 million in the bank and Cameron Archer. How long can we wait for Erling Haaland? So yeah, there's a lot of teams with a lot of money in the bank. I think I've got 9 million. Uh, A friend of mine wildcarded last week and sent me a picture of his team. had 13 million in the bank. I don't remember in all my years of playing FPL seeing such big 
FPL bank balances. But I'm sure we're going to start spending it again soon. And Christian's got no Haaland. He's got Archer, who's not been starting games recently, so wants to spread a bit of cash. So we did have positive pictures coming through on Monday. I think Manchester City are possibly away again. It looked like it might have been Abu Dhabi or somewhere training. Uh, warm weather training and Haaland was one pitcher in particular he was in the air massive leap looked more like a basketball player than a footballer in it and for someone who had a bone issue in his foot it's good to see him that high off the ground because that tells me everything is good and I think he came through that session without any issue so I would guess he probably won't feature in the FA Cup but it would be nice to see him on the bench and then we can confidently buy him for midweek because I, like many, I'm sure, miss the comfort of Erling Haaland captain and you don't have to think about it. I don't think I do as well FPL-wise when I have to go elsewhere with my armband as was the case with Saka in the most recent game. We kind of had a few other captain blanks while Haaland's been out. So I'm looking forward to his return and I'm looking forward to the armband being firmly placed back on him and hopefully that can be as soon as the Burnley fixture in Game 22. So again... When I record next Monday, I'll be able to give a much clearer you know, answer on Erling Haaland. But certainly, it's coming closer to a return. In terms of Archer, a bit of a weak link in the squad now. You could obviously upgrade him. So, in terms of the striker landscape, you've got Solanke, who's blanked a couple of times, but difficult fixtures. He does have, off the top of my head, three good fixtures coming up now. So, I'm quite happy to give Solanke more time. Watkins has a lot of credit in the bank because he's been there since game week one, but I also don't want to fall into the trap of keeping him just because he's done well previously. If someone else emerges who I think is a better option, I will happily sell Watkins. So Tony is in that bracket. Tony's only owned by 3.8% of the game. That will, of course, rise with a double game week coming up soon, You know, especially when he's just scored on his return. So Tony's certainly in my thoughts as a possible Watkins replacement at some point but I think both Watkins and Solanke will survive for now. I've got Alvarez so I think it makes the most sense to sell him for Haaland because when I've got Foden as well I want to leave the door open for Kevin De Bruyne. You know for example if I went Watkins or Solanke to Haaland I would have Haaland, Alvarez, Foden and I would be blocking myself to Kevin De Bruyne. And De Bruyne could be essential by the time we get to a double game week 25 for Manchester City. So I don't want to do that. So Alvarez will probably go for Haaland uh, next week if we get positive news or it looks like Haaland's going to start. Elsewhere, you know, players from the watch that I mentioned, I like Isak. And again, I think we need to be more open to going there. Darwin Nunes showed us exactly what he can do. He's, he's a frustrating player to watch, of course, but FPL-wise, the numbers are there. He's getting the goals, he's getting the assists, and I'm very much open to going there at some point before the season is out. Hoyland as a differential for Manchester United. Then you've got the cheaper guys like Joe Pedro and Chris Wood. The ultimate differential among forwards is Timo Werner at Tottenham. 6.5 million. Ownership is 0.8%. And I honestly don't think he's a bad option uh, while Son is away, but I do favour Richarlison as a midfield pick over Timo Werner as a forward pick. So for me, I think Watkins or Solanke will survive and things can change quickly. You know, as soon as Watkins or Solanke are back on the score sheet, which will happen soon, people will very quickly forgive them and be happy to keep them a little bit longer. Haaland will come back in. So I think Haaland, Watkins, Solanke will be mine for another while. And then possibly Tony for the double game week. Now I know that 
the, the fixtures for Brentford are not great for the double game week. But I just like Tony as a long-term pick anyway. Uh, talisman, free kicks, penalties, good for bonus. Ticks all of the FPL boxes. Question from Sebastian. What to do with Saka? So I think my short answer here is give him the Nottingham Forest game unless you want to gamble on Kevin De Bruyne or or if there's someone you believe is 100% a better pick than Saka that you don't already own. For example, if you think of Foden or a Richarlison or, or someone else, if you just think those are better by far than Saka FPL-wise at the moment, don't be afraid to do it, but for a free transfer. I wouldn't sell Saka for a minus four when he's got a decent fixture coming up. And the way I look at it, it's kind of glass half full rather than glass half empty. Arsenal have just scored five. Yes, Saka wasn't involved, which was frustrating. But another day, Saka gets a goal and two assists in that game. You know, when when there's not going to be very often that Arsenal score five and Saka gets absolutely nothing. Um, you know, even if he got a one assist in that game, there probably wouldn't be too many people too worried about him. Uh, obviously, not as good as he was in FPL last season, but I've still got faith, and I'm going to give him the Forest game. And I will reassess it after that. I think they might be playing Liverpool the week after. Uh, De Bruyne, he's on my mind and I'm sure he's on yours as well. The easiest way probably to get to De Bruyne is from Saka. And I was having a look, I was doing the General's Orders video with Joe on the Scout YouTube channel yesterday. And while we were recording, did some live tinkering. And you know, with £9 million in the bank, I could go Saka to De Bruyne and still be able to afford Alvarez de Haaland. So the... The big triple up is on. The Haaland, De Bruyne, Foden triple up is very, very tempting. But for me, Saka, very likely to stay for Forrest because it's going to be, it's not going to be very often that Saka is the weakest link in your team and he's not a player I would be comfortable selling for a minus four. So I'm going to give him Forrest and that would be my advice unless you're dead set in De Bruyne or someone else. Question from Ryo. De Bruyne or Haaland, who should we bring in first? Uh, so obviously, it would be nice to end up on both in the near future. But I think Haaland first. If all the signs are that he's going to be available for Burnley next week, then I think we prioritise that one. And we probably give him the armband if it looks like he's going to start that game. It's going to be interesting, actually, if if... If we know Haaland is fit, but if we don't know he's going to start, will people captain him or will people play a bit more conservatively maybe and go somewhere else? So it could be important next week to have have a good vice captain if you are going to go on Haaland. Question from Josh. What midfielder for six million or less should I get to enable getting Haaland back? So the first name that came to mind, it was probably because it's the most recent game I watched, was Pedro Neto at Wolves. Pretty sure he's under six million, uh, probably about five point seven or five point eight. I think he's a good pick, regardless of fixtures. Will be on penalties, I would imagine, as well with Huang away. I think he was on them previously before he got injured. Lots of the points there. Just a very good player. Obviously, Palmer at Chelsea is the first player you go for under six million. But I presume you have him if you're asking the question. Elsewhere, Douglas Louise. I still like at Aston Villa. Plenty of reached the points there as well and loves a bonus point or two. And if you want to go cheaper, if it's an eighth attacker, Garnacho, I still like as a bench option who can sub in when needed. But yeah, Palmer number one, probably Pedro Neto number two. Question from FPL Just Brill. FPL certainly wasn't Just Brill for me in Game Week 21, but hopefully it is in Game Week 22. 
Is it time to sell Watkins for Tony? As a Watkins owner, I'm reluctant to do this with Villa's fixture run on paper looks good. Despite having to play Newcastle, Manchester United and Tottenham at home between Gimme 22 and Gimme 28. Is it time to sell Watkins for Tony? I don't mind people doing it, but I think the time to get Tony was probably last week for a good fixture. And he got his goal and I think he got bonus points as well. Brentford's fixtures are a little bit trickier for three or four game weeks now. Uh, if even even including the extra fixture in the double game week, for me Watkins is a hold for now. Uh, again, Watkins I think plays for a better team. Brentford could improve now though with their talisman back. Um, on the flip side, Tony has probably more roots to points with set pieces that Watkins does not have. So I wouldn't stop anyone doing Watkins to Tony for free. I don't think you can argue that I think that's a fine move but I think it's very tricky to call which of those two are going to score the most points over the next couple of game weeks so I'm quite happy to keep Watkins if your team is in tip-top shape and you've got no issues a free transfer for Tony is fine if you think he outscores him and if you want to own him for the extra fixture so like I said earlier Watkins is probably going to stay for me and even when you list out those fixtures at home Newcastle that's fine their numbers haven't been good away from home recently Manchester United doesn't concern me and Tottenham don't tend to keep clean sheets either question from FPL regrets a lot of stock is being placed in getting Tony for double gaming 25 however with Liverpool at home and Manchester City away is it actually worth considering going without him and perhaps even avoiding Brentford entirely I certainly don't see myself getting any other Brentford players aside from Tony. he's the only one that I might get for the double game week but it's certainly not a definite because you know, it is it is difficult fixtures and it was good to see him back. He did score, but going back to the underlying numbers, I'm pretty sure the Tony free kick was his only shot in that game. So it wasn't exactly, you know, a, a four or five shot game where he looked fantastic. But I do like him. You know, you just take the fixtures out of it. You think back to last season, I think he got 20 Premier League goals. Just a really good player. Um, obviously, you've got to be careful. The January transfer window is still open and there's always that small chance that he that he moves away. And then he doesn't have a double game week if he's playing for someone else. So if you're thinking about buying Ivan Tony this week, you probably should hold off until the end of January, um, you know, just before the game week 22 deadline, just in case he moves somewhere else, because that might change your thinking. But then again, if he went to an Arsenal, for example, maybe people would rush even more to buy him uh, because maybe he's a better pick then in that side. So Tony, for me, the only Brentford player under consideration and... He's certainly not a shoo-in for the double game week. Question from Michael Danielson. Start Solanke or Palmer? I feel like this question came in three or four weeks ago and I'm pretty sure my answer was play Solanke. And that was the week where Palmer got his 18-pointer. A lot of people played Solanke over Palmer and got punished in a very, very close call. Now, on current information, Solanke's away to West Ham and Palmer is away to Liverpool. And even though Palmer has the trickier fixture, he is... I mean, both players are talismanic, but I just don't think you can bench Cole Palmer these days. I think he's playing too well. Um, He seems to get... Chelsea seem to get a lot of penalties as well, which helps his case. So I would be playing Palmer against Liverpool over Solanke. In an ideal world, of course, you play both players because they're both good FPL picks. It's a close call again, and this could be the week where people play Palmer over Solanke. Solanke gets a hat-trick and Palmer blanks, so 
really, I'm just glad I'm not in that position. I can play both and I can sleep easy, not worrying about a big swing again. But yeah, Palmer just about edges it for me over Solanke. Question from FPL Brooklyn. Should we pick up a Stupinen for his checks, notes, clean sheets? Is the Brighton defence for real? Yeah, it's uh, very satisfying to have picked up a Stupinen when Brighton were on zero clean sheets for the season and I've somehow managed to get two of them when he got substituted early Monday night I was I was secretly hoping Brighton would concede to help Estupin out in the bonus points but it wasn't to me but yeah good to get clean sheets watching Brighton am I confident of more clean sheets no I still think they give up plenty of chances and they play a very risky strategy playing out from the back um, it's not a fun watch to own a Brighton defender when you watch uh, Steele and those guys trying to play it from the back they take a lot of risks and there will be goals conceded I'm sure so I'm not banking on clean sheets for a stupid and good to get them recently but I've like like most FPL defenders nowadays I own them for the attacking potential and like I said I'm not too worried about the left centre back role if he plays there it's good for his bonus hopefully he is taking a few more set pieces as well and Brighton, of course, are top of the fixture ticker. So if you don't own a Stupinen, I think he's a really good player to pick up. Question from FPL Tom. Who's the best defender under 4.5 million if I already own Malo Gusto? Um, 4.5 or less. Doughty's 4.5. I like him. Uh, double game week likely soon as well. Branthwaite, if you want a bench pick at 4.1. Uh, one to keep an eye on is Botman at Newcastle. Maybe not this week with a fixture, but... Newcastle have good fixtures, 23, 24, 25. Botman's 4.5 as well. So I like him as a starter for that period. Or maybe he's your fourth defender as a good bench option. Final question is from John Townsend. It's probably my favourite question. Are we adventurous enough with captaincy picks? John says, this season I've captained Haaland nine times, Salah seven times, Son three times, and Watkins and Palmer on one occasion each. Only three times have I ended up captaining the player that got the most points in my team that week. What can we learn from this? Um, are we adventurous enough with captaincy picks? It, we're probably not, most of us, but I don't think it's something we need to do. I don't think we need to be adventurous. I just like to keep FPL simple. Uh, and I think over a long span of 38 game weeks, if you just be consistent with your captaincy approach, that you should come out pretty well out of it. It's quite hard to catch lightning in a bottle often. You know, for example, getting the Jota captaincy in the most recent game week. You know, how often does that actually happen? Um, I think you, if you take an approach for 38 game weeks and you try and be adventurous over the course of the season... You're more likely to end up down on captaincy points than you are if you pick steady eddies right throughout. So I'm very much, as you know from listening over the last couple of years, I'm a very steady eddy FPL manager. I don't take too many risks. Um, and I try and just get those marginal gains over time with with safe choices. Uh, and as I said earlier, I'm very much looking forward to having Haaland back because when he is back, I will be probably captaining him most game weeks. So... I think it's dangerous to look at a game week like game week 21 and looking at a Jota and thinking what could have been if I captained them because it's very, very hard to catch those holes. Um, I know Late Riser used to play that kind of strategy where he would try and hit those captaincies you know, 50% of the time when he's taking those risks. Uh, I think he's 
become a bit more conservative recently in, in his FPL style. I'm sure we'll see him be a bit more aggressive towards the end of the season now. But for me, it's, just keep it simple. I think with captaincy, just captain the player you think is going to get the most points in your team. And as John highlights here, it's almost impossible to pick out of your 11 who is going to get the most points because you'll always have a defender who scores and keeps a clean sheet and gets a 15 pointer or a goalkeeper in your team randomly gets a penalty save but you're never going to captain them players so don't don't worry too much about not having the highest score in your team as your captain because you know it's very hard to pick one out of 11 who's going to get the most points but you know, line up the fixtures, line up the big hitting players in the game, the good underlying numbers, and just keep it simple. Don't overthink captaincy just because of players like Jota going big. Question That question brings me on to the Game Week 22 captaincy. Obviously, this is a very, very early look at things, but the standout fixture is Manchester City at home to Burnley. So if Haaland's back, he's your standout captain. Kevin De Bruyne is a very tempting captaincy candidate there. There's always a slight risk that he doesn't start, though, where he gets reduced minutes. Phil Foden and Alvarez are in the mix as well, as is Bernardo Silva. So we'll come back to captaincy in more detail on next week's episode. Elsewhere, Richarlison's got a good fixture at home to Brentford. Jota and Darwin are potential candidates against Chelsea, as is Palmer, but I don't really like that fixture for the armband. Jared Bowen's at home to Bournemouth, who just conceded four to Liverpool. Sack is away to Forest. I don't think too many people will go there, but it's typical FPL when people don't go there. That's the week when players come back with a bang. And you've got Rashford as a differential captain, possibly against Wolves as well. But I think most people will be on the Manchester City game for the armband. It's just a question, will it be Haaland, will it be De Bruyne, or will it be Alvarez slash Foden? The current bus team, which is the team you set up, just in case you get hit by a bus during the week, coined by the Always Cheating podcast. David Rye is in goal. Trent will hopefully be available to play for me. Poro and Estupanen. Midfield is Saka, Foden, Palmer and Jared Bowen. And the usual suspects up front, hopefully they get their finger out next week. Solanke, Watkins and Alvarez. That's if I keep Alvarez, of course, because he's very much a possible outgoing for Haaland in. On the bench, Ariola, Garnacho, Fursob, Gusto and Bell. Transfer thoughts, 9 million in the bank. Haaland captain against Burnley. If it looks like he's going to play and Alvarez will go, I could sell Saka for De Bruyne if Haaland wasn't going to be back. But we will come back to that next episode. Thank you for taking the time to listen, folks. Have a great week and I'll talk to you again next Monday before the Tuesday deadline. If you're not interested in the Patreon stuff, you can buy me a coffee instead at buymeacoffee.com forward slash FPL General. Anyone who does so gets invited to my FPL Discord server. Talk to you soon, folks. Have a good one. Podcast Network.